Well, good morning. Welcome to, welcome to Mayflower. I'm Pastor Sean, and it is great to have each and every one of you here. It's lovely to see your faces, and for those who are joining us virtually, welcome. We're glad you're here as well. Uh, along the aisles here, there's a friendship register. If you could pass that down, if you're new or if you're a guest, we'd love to uh, be able to get in contact with you so you can give us information there if you're comfortable with that. And also, if you're one of our regulars, uh, we're finding that we don't have everyone's cell phone number in our database, and if you're comfortable with it, you know, uh, we'd love to have that updated information there as well on that friendship register. Since I arrived here this summer, I've been having lunches with folks, and it's been lovely. The goal is to have a meal with everyone in this church by the end of the year, and we're on a good pace. Uh, We have free slots available for lunches and dinners, so contact the office to sign up for that. If you haven't had a lunch with me and Sarah or me or me and my family, we'd love to do that. Uh, Please contact the office there. You'll notice on the backside of your sermon outline, there is some biographic information of our new members, and they're here in the front row. We're going to welcome them a little bit later here in the service. But uh, you can take a look at that, find some of their story and some of their history, and we look forward to a warm welcome of folks officially joining membership this Sunday morning. Now, I'd like you to invite, or I'd invite you, excuse me, to greet one another with the traditional Christian exchange of uh, greetings. The peace of Christ be with you. Let us share God's peace with one another. Good morning. Prayer cards can be found in the pew rack in front of you. They will be picked up during the offering this morning. Thank you for everyone who donated baked goods for the bake sale last week. It was a huge success, and many of us went home with delicious items to have for brunch. Next week, we are so excited to welcome Zachariah Char, who is the pastor of Sudanese Grace Church. For those of you that are not familiar with Sudanese Grace, they used to worship here at Mayflower. They would come on Sunday afternoons and fill this building with joy and music and merriment. Three years ago, they were given a church building. Sean and I had the pleasure of going out there recently, and it's beautiful, and they are so happy to be there. And what's so neat is they are actually having other churches that don't have buildings meet in their building. So they are continuing to pass that blessing on. But they will be here next week worshiping with us, and we will have one of their yummy food sales afterwards. The money raised at the food sale will go towards building a new playground at their church. We will be hosting our annual Thanksgiving service on Thanksgiving this year at 10 a.m. in the chapel. We hope that you will all join us. There are many more announcements in the bulletin. Please take it home and mark your calendar. At this time, I'd like to invite Andy Cooley forward with our stewardship moment.
Hi, good morning. My name is Andy Cooley, and I've been a member here at Mayflower since about 2012, and I'm a member of the Stewardship Committee. I'd like to ask each of you a question, and typically I'd ask for a show of hands, but I won't do that because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. So in theory, raise your hand if you would answer yes to the following question. Do you live in a household that has one or more of the following? A 401k, a 403b, a company-sponsored pension plan, a defined benefit pension plan, social security retirement benefits, IRA, Roth IRA, health care savings account, flexible savings account, 529 savings plan, whole life policy, term life policy. Maybe you even pay a financial planner. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm guessing most of your households have this, and that's good. Um, our household have so's, and we have a financial advisor as well. My question is not an indictment of financial planning or retirement planning. I'm not going to suggest that you stop funding your retirement and give all your money to the church. That's crazy. But this is my point. We spend a lot of time, money, and energy planning our retirements here. Most of us probably even maximize our contributions to those accounts. Now I'm going to ask the second question. How much time do you spend funding and planning your heaven retirement account? And if you don't think those exist, then why is money the number one thing that Jesus talks about? Eleven of 39 parables are about money. If heaven retirement accounts don't exist, then why is the term treasure in heaven used repeatedly? The Bible's pretty clear. The economy of God and the U.S. economy don't really work the same. One is centered on accumulation, and the other is rooted in giving, generosity, and helping the less fortunate. The average U.S. retirement is 12 years. Heaven is eternity. So which account do you want to be the largest, your Merrill Lynch account or your God account? The way we build our God accounts is by giving a portion of our money and time to charity and the less fortunate. The stewardship season is upon us. I hope we will all take the time and opportunity to review our contributions and selections to all of our accounts. Thank you. Next week, in addition to the Sudanese Grace Church, we will also welcome the Kelvin Alumni Choir. They uh, performed their fall concert last night, and they will be bringing some of that beautiful music here for our worship service next Sunday. And today we have two special things happening. First, it is the first ever playing of the elementary chime Choir. So um, last year we purchased three octaves of chimes with the hope that we would be able to develop a, a larger um, children's program with those instruments. And today we will hear that during the introit. Um, also today is an all-comers choir. Every once in a while we invite 
anyone and everyone to show up early on a Sunday morning and uh, learn the anthem for the day and and lead worship from the choir loft. And we had several takers today. And thank you to those who took on that challenge. And I hope I'll see more of you next time we do this all comers. Um, the anthem we're going to be singing with the uh, with everyone, all comers, children, youth, parents, and all of you is in the midst of new dimensions that um, happens right before the children's message. If you look in the bulletin, there's actually um, some music and some words for you to join with us on verse 5. If you look at the middle, there are four lines there. The third line down says refrain. Um, if you feel, I mean, it's fairly simple music if you want to jump in on the refrain already on verse one you're welcome to do that just be uh, uh just on notice that verse four um we modulate to a much higher key with the choir singing a cappella. if you want to join us on that refrain too you're welcome to but um no matter what you decide by verse five let's have the whole room singing um these wonderful thought-provoking words by julian rush he was a methodist minister that uh, came out as gay uh, 30 or 40 years ago and so um, by looking at these words you can look at them with that lens of a god including everyone but they're such powerful words that you can uh, connect with them um, no matter what the text is can be viewed as a prayer and the refrain that you'll be singing is an answer to these stanzas prayer that names uh, the covenant promises of God's humanity and while the text is quite complex uh, the music is simple and it's a reminder that all humans are God's people and God is always faithful present and caring. Come before the Lord with joyful songs. 
Because he is good, because he is generous, because we lack nothing. Come before the Lord with joy, because he is faithful to his promises, because his word is eternal. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving, in his courts with praise. Almighty and everlasting God, we ask you to increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and charity. Make us love what you command so that we receive what you promise to us. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.
Our Lord Jesus Christ calls his disciples to a life of repentance. So now I invite you into a time of repentance. First, in a moment of silence for personal confession. And then in a corporate confession, we will all speak together as found in your bulletin. So let us now bring our sins before the Lord. And now we'll confess together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Have mercy on us and forgive us. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in the likeness and image of your Son. Amen. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Sisters and brothers, forgiveness is ours in Jesus Christ. Be at peace. Amen. Please be seated.
I'd like to invite all the other children worshiping with us to come forward for the children's message. Good morning. So this morning is our final Sunday of stewardship. And so that is where we set aside this time in our year and we talk about how we give God our time, our talents, and our treasures. But I have something different I want to talk to you about, okay? So I have a favorite cookie, and it comes from my favorite cookie store, Crumble. Has anyone had a crumble cookie before? Oh, my goodness, aren't they so delicious? They are the best. And my favorite cookie is the sugar cookie with the pink frosting on top. And they usually have them all the time. But then all of a sudden, they took them off the menu. I was so sad. And they're like, well, you'll have to call, and you'll have to see if it's on the menu this week. Well, that's a lot to do. And so then one day I went, and lo and behold, the sugar cookie was back. I know, look at this sugar cookie. It is amazing. It is huge, and it is yummy. But then I went to check out, and they gave me this. And I'm like, well, why do I need this? And they said to me, that these, sugar, these cookies at Crumble are so much that they're meant to be shared. I'm like, I don't know. I'll try it, I guess. I don't think they realize this is my favorite cookie. So I get the cookie cutter, and I cut it. And then I guess I have to share. So I guess I have to give part of my cookie Over here to Lucas. I hope you enjoy my cookie, Lucas. All right. Look, there's three more pieces. All right. Well, I'll share another piece over here with Joan. Joan, I hope you like my cookie. Oh, I'm getting so sad. There's only half of my cookie left. But look, here's one more piece. All right. I'll give this piece off, too. Here we go. I know, don't you all wish you helped me in children's message? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I am so sad. I had this humongous cookie, but now all I have left is this. But wait a second. I think that this is enough. I think any more than this would be too much. And that's why at Crumble Cookie, they give you a cookie cutter. Because it's like how God gives to us. He gives us more than we could ever, ever imagine or use. Because he wants us to experience how awesome it feels to give it away. So, I know that was very hard for you all not to get part of the cookie. And we will all have crumble cookies at Sunday school. Why don't we pray together? Lord, we are so thankful that you give us enough. 
And we are so thankful that we get the privilege to give to others. May we always be looking for ways to give and to love those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends. So we are going to dismiss all the choir first. So if you are in choir, if you can stand up and you are going to go out. If you are a fifth grader up here, you are going to go with Mrs. Houlihan to the bridge. If you are three years old, four years old, or five years old, stand up. Perfect. You are going to go with Mrs. Orban to Bible Beginnings. And then everyone else is going to come with me to Bible Life. The reading this morning will be found in your Pooh Bible on page 676. It comes from Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. And again, can be found in your Pooh Bible, page 676. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, You have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, For yours will be delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. You might want to keep your finger in in your Bible for the passage for today to follow along as we go, if that will help you. Have you ever had a front row seat to an argument between a married couple? (laughs) Right? Maybe it erupted over at a dinner party. Maybe you overheard it while you're sitting in a hotel lobby. Or maybe the next door neighbors were fighting so loudly that everyone heard it. You've seen this, right? You see, you always do that. How could you do this to me? You might hear. Or maybe the worst line of all. You are just like your mother. (laughs) I said, I've done some marital counseling. Don't say that. (laughs) It's, It's awkward, right? But it's also revealing. You witness some raw emotion. You get to see these people completely unfiltered. You see who they really are. 
And in our scripture passage for today, we get to listen in on a marital argument. The Bible often talks about the relationship between God and his people in terms of a marriage. Well, there's a fight, and wow, it's a big one. One of these lovers has majorly betrayed the other. Well, God begins because he's the one who's been betrayed. Look at verses 6 and 7. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Yet God is basically saying, someone in this marriage has moved, and it's not me, right? I'm God. I don't change. I keep my promises. And you know what God says to his people? It's a good thing for you that I do keep my promises. You've not done what you said you would do in this marriage. You've you've closed off your heart to me. You've been unfaithful over and over. But I'm God. And that means that if I wasn't faithful to you, you would have been destroyed. And then God utters these tender words. Return to me and I will return to you. He says to his wayward people, I haven't given up on you. I still love you just as much as I ever did. Come back to me. But God's people had hardened their hearts. They say, what do you mean come back to you? We didn't leave. We haven't done anything wrong. How are we to return? Well, in verse 8, God answers their question with a question of his own. Will a mere mortal rob me, rob God? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Now, in saying this, God brings up a specific area where his people needed to repent in their stinginess in giving. But again, they had hardened their hearts. So Israel replies, what are you talking about? How? How have we robbed you? Well, at this point in the fight, God gets down to specifics. You are robbing me in your tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, we reading this passage have to unpack some details here to get what's going on. God's people who lived before Jesus came... Uh, They were commanded in the law of Moses to give their tithes and their offerings. Now, the system is a little complicated, but basically, for them, that meant giving 10% to support the priests and the temple ministries. And that also meant giving another 10% every three years to support the poor. And then there were various other offerings, some of them voluntary, but some of them required. So like I said, it's a little different, a little complicated, but all that together, that sort of giving, is what God expected Israel to give. That was part of the arrangement in their relationship with God. And in this situation, they just weren't doing it. God had become basically a mascot to them. They were close-hearted, 
and tight-fisted. But it's interesting. God singles out the area of money, and that kind of makes sense. A lot of conflict in a marriage is about money. You've probably seen this happen, maybe with your, your parents, maybe with some friends, maybe even in your own marriage. What's this $400 charge on the credit card? What did you buy? But this particular dispute between God and his people is a really big one. I think it might be more something like this. You gambled away our retirement savings behind my back? And then you have the gall to tell me we don't have enough money to go out to eat for date night? One person in the marriage had betrayed the other and robbed the money they both set aside for a specific purpose. And that's what God is saying in this situation with his people. They were robbing God. They were breaking the promises they made to him. And that's why things were going so terribly for them. Their community is dysfunctional. There's a famine. Their economy is in shambles. But God wants them to turn around and come back to him. And he tells them how to do that in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. In other words, God says, stop being so stingy. Open up your hearts to me. Give fully and give generously what I've asked you to give. But then in verse 10, God gives this amazing invitation. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Here's what God is saying to his people. Try me. Test my faithfulness and see what happens. Because I promise you, I will open the floodgates of heaven. You're going to be shoulder deep in blessings. Your crops will produce. You'll have everything you need. Everyone will see my goodness in your blessings. So stop, stop fighting against me. Let down your defenses. Let go of your fears. Open your hearts to me. Give generously. I love you. And I can assure you that you won't be disappointed. Trust me. That's what God says to his people. Well, like I said before, it's always awkward to be privy to a fight in someone else's marriage. You're like, Jesus. But with this one, we are more than spectators and witnesses. This tells us something important about God. Now, if you had siblings growing up, did they ever get in big trouble with your parents? Maybe they did something really bad, really destructive, and they got caught, and there's this big, ugly, blowout fight in your house. And there's yelling, and there's tears from everyone else. And you're just sitting there quietly on the couch while it's all happening. Do to do. But in a situation like that, as you sat there on the couch, 
Maybe you saw the patience and love of your parents towards your brother or your sister. Well, that's kind of our situation here. The God of Israel is our God, too. And even if we ourselves haven't been stingy or cold-hearted quite like Israel was in this context, we can see something about God and his invitation to all his people from this passage. So I'd like us to consider three takeaways from what we've heard from Scripture today. The first is that we see who God is. He is a gracious, giving, and forgiving God. Just look at how he treats his people. His heart is that they return to him. He is just waiting to embrace them and pour out his blessings on them. He's like the father from Jesus' parable about the prodigal son. He's just waiting to see us return and come running to us. That's his heart. You see, God's a giver. All good things come from him. And he's the greatest giver of all because he's given his son for us. And when his son came, when Jesus came into the world, he was a giver. He gave healing and teaching and wisdom and blessings and deliverance. And as he gave the greatest gift of all, as he gave his life, he hung between two robbers. Isn't that interesting? The greatest gift in all of human history was given between two thieves, people who took from others. And do you remember what happened? One of those robbers received the gift of salvation. We see it in Jesus' death on the cross. And we see it in our passage for today. God doesn't give up on robbers and thieves. He wants to give them grace. Because that's who he is. That is our God. Well, second, God's invitation in this passage extends to us, too. God invites us to know him through generous giving. The prophet Malachi preached to a people who no longer knew God. They needed to return to him. And one important way we can know God is through giving generously. Now, why is that? I think it's because no one is going to give the Lord 10, 15, 20, 25% or more of all that they have unless they really believe that they're indebted to God's goodness and grace. So when you swallow hard and you commit to generous giving in an act of faith, you're about to find out who God really is. The Lord Almighty invites us. He says, I want you to find out just what kind of God I am to you. So test me by giving generously. And see what you have when you have the Lord. So sisters and brothers, as God, the Holy Spirit, leads you, give generously. 
Give so generously that you'll need to have faith in him. Test him. Try him. He's just daring you to do it. And you'll find that your faith will grow. You'll find that you grow closer to the Lord through it. Third, generous giving releases the flood of God's blessing on us. You know, sometimes we fear that regular Christian giving is going to cost us. But I've been around church spaces for a long time. And I've never heard of any believer who gave generously and later regretted it. I don't remember ever hearing of a believer who gives regularly to the Lord and thought that they were the poorer because of it. I did this last week. I want to do it again this week. A point of clarification is in order here. Maybe you've heard of something called the prosperity gospel. Uh, Name it and claim it. Sometimes it's called the health and wealth gospel. Sometimes it's called... Some of the prominent American purveyors of this theology include names like Joel Olstein, Benny Hinn, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Now, now maybe you're sitting here this morning and you heard that list and you're thinking, I have never heard of any of those people. And if that's you, seriously, good for you. <laughs> but these people are popular and influential. They teach that if you give money to the Lord, God will respond and bless you with even more money in the future. And that's the problem. It equates blessings from God with money and wealth. But often it's the opposite. Giving generously unleashes God's blessings. And those blessings can include Him protecting you from the impoverishing scourges of materialism or greed. Oftentimes, being blessed by God means less material wealth and more spiritual riches. God does amazing things in our hearts through the practice of giving. Let me tell you a story about my friends Chris and Jennifer. I have their permission to tell this. Sarah and I have known them for almost 20 years, and they're wonderful Christian people. Now, many years ago, Chris was squeaking by as a freelance consultant while he was trying to finish his Ph.D. dissertation in organizational management. Jennifer was doing some minimal editing work. They had two young kids. Money was tight. And they dreamed of starting their own consulting firm when he was done with his studies. But even in all that, they were committed to giving faithfully to their church. Now, it came along that Chris was offered a really good job offer on the other side of the country. But because of the details, it meant that he would probably never start his own business. And they were torn. What should they do? So they called their pastor for advice just hours before the job offer deadline. You know, he, he asked some questions. He listened to them. 
And he said that if they turned down this job and started their own consulting business, they might need to live without a paycheck for a while and trust the Lord. I was talking with Jennifer about this recently, and she said, I can count on one hand the number of times I've felt a physical reaction in a way that I know the Lord is speaking to me. And that was one of them. So that's what they did. They turned down the job offer, they trusted the Lord, and they went ahead. She says, I remember the first year that we filed our taxes without a W-2 from any other organization, just from our own work. And I had a sense of a manifestation of God's provision. Well, fast forward 11 years to today. They own and run their own consulting firm that employs dozens of people. And they're using their God-given talents in ways that they never would have if they wouldn't have started it by stepping out in faith. And through all those years, they gave generously. Now, this is our last Stewardship Sunday. And we've been asking you to seek the leading of the Holy Spirit when it comes to your giving for next year. Now, if you've done that and you're ready, we have commitment cards in the pews in front of you. And there's some blank envelopes. You can put those in the envelopes and put that in the offering plate today if you'd like and if you're ready. If you'd like a bit more time to seek the Holy Spirit, then we are going to mail some of these out and you can do it on your own timetable. But brothers and sisters, I encourage you, give so generously that it tests God's ability to bless you. You will not regret it. Amen. You may be seated. This this morning, it is my great privilege to introduce uh, new members here at Mayflower. Now, many of them, we've spent the last five or six weeks every Wednesday night getting together and talking, and uh, it's been my privilege to get to know them, to get to see their faith that I found so encouraging. 
And they've all gathered here in the front row. So what I'm going to first ask them to do is stand. And in your bulletin there, you'll find our confession of faith and owning of the covenant that's in our bylaws and constitution. And I'll ask all of you. So, yes, if you would now. Sorry, I'm not being clear. Uh, if you would now, please stand. And let's uh, you'll you as new members will speak that together. And now I'll ask you, the congregation, to stand and read the responses found in your bulletin. We, the members of Mayflower Church, welcome you with joy into our communion and fellowship. We pledge to you our support, our help, and our prayers that you may evermore increase in the knowledge and love of God. God grants that loving and being loved, blessing and being blessed, serving and being served, we may be prepared while we dwell together on earth for the perfect fellowship of the life everlasting. And now, old members, regulars, guests, all of us here in this congregation, and new members, with all the church around the world, from all times and places, let us speak this ancient summary of the truths of our Christian faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of everlasting. Amen. Congregation, I invite you to warmly welcome our new members. You may be seated. God, give us the right story. Inspire us to take action now so that we'll have the right story, the right story for when we meet you, when you ask us what we did for the less fortunate with all the money, skills, and talent we were given. May each of us have a very long resume of good deeds to share. The ushers now wait on your gifts.
Dear Lord, there's so much suffering and calamity in this world. Would you please use each of us and our gifts to bring healing? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with humble hearts and gratitude for the bountiful blessings that we enjoy every day. Our homes, our families, our friends, our church, and the numerous freedoms we experience in this great country. As we take in the beauty of every season, we are reminded that your love And the amazing world you have created is visible evidence of your presence. We are deeply grateful for the greatest blessing of all, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, resulting in the ultimate gift of grace. You give us grace when we fall short of what it means to follow Christ. Grace when we forget to thank you for the bounty you have bestowed upon us. Grace when we neglect to take an opportunity to love others despite our differences. Though we have sinned, the knowledge that through our belief in you and in Jesus, we will receive salvation and have the opportunity to share eternity with you stirs our hearts and deepens our faith. We also pray that all who are feeling resentment or hurt are able to find forgiveness in their hearts. And know that just as you have provided salvation to us, we too can provide redemption to others. As a congregation, we ask for you to be with those who are suffering, whether it be physically or emotionally. We ask for you to wrap your arms around those who are alone, afraid, or lonely, so they may feel your presence. Please bring peace and hope to those who have little and need you to walk beside them on their journey. Lastly, having just celebrated Veterans Day, we are reminded of the brave men and women who have stepped forward, sacrificing so much to serve our country. Please bestow a special blessing on them today. And now let us pray the Lord's Prayer as found in your bulletin. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. To wherever God has called you this week, go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. We go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks.